Welcome to The Clappers. This is Andrew Young. And this is Carl Quinn. Great to be here. I've been away, Carl. Uh, I, indeed, you have. Where have I'm, you been? I might tell you about it. Oh, keep us in suspense. <laughs> I might not. I'm in suspenders. I was in Sydney. Oh, well, you were oh, in suspenders, no, no I doubt. In, I was in suspenders. I was staying in Elizabeth Bay. Which, I rest my case. Which is the perfect place for one to uh, put on a pair of suspenders, should one be so inclined. Uh, it's a faded, elegant type of place that... Just around the corner from um, Darlinghurst, from King's Cross. Cross. It's, it's right down the road. You can walk to King's Cross. Seedy Town. Station in a couple of minutes. King's Cross is nowhere near as seedy as it used to be, though, is it? Oh, it is. It is. It still is. Yeah, it's, I, it is. Okay. Can, can <laughs> I, I'll just share with you my my, my, uh, my first experience of Sydney, right? Mm-hmm. I was I a was, uh, university student. This is the early 80s. Queensland Uni, I was like 19, I think, maybe. And I went down, 20 maybe. And I went down to Sydney. I didn't really know anybody. I just sort of thought, I'll go have a look. Everybody talks about this place. Sydney? Sydney? What is it? So <laughs> I got the bus down as, as you do when you have no money. And... Uh, I stayed at a place on Bayswater Road in the Cross, and it was a men's hostel. And I walked in and said, "This is getting better." And better <laughs> said, can I have a Queenslander? Can I have? Well, can I have a room, please? And they went, "Yeah, you can have it for uh, ten bucks a night if you want it on your own, or seven if you want to share." <laughs> How, how many were you sharing with? Hey, just one, just well, one. I couldn't guarantee because you're a f- species, but you know it was just only youth. one other yeah. <laughs> frugal youth. What I splashed out. I splashed out on the ten. Oh, you really. did. Oh, you yeah. Did. yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought if I'm going to be sleeping amidst the smell of piss and other stench, I want it to be my own, nobody else's. Fair enough. And yes. and you've stuck with that ever since, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> mostly, mostly <laughs> so. Yes. <laughs> I, I did not stay in gentlemen's accommodation. I stayed in, in an apartment and I enjoyed immensely walking around Elizabeth Bay and Woolloomooloo and the Cross. And it's a long time since I've spent any time there at all. And Paul Keating lives in Elizabeth Bay, doesn't he? I, think. I don't know where he lives. I think so. I yeah. thought he lived in Wallara. But then John Laws used to live in Wallara. But now John Laws lives in Woolloomooloo oh. with Russell Crowe. I didn't know they were together. Yes. They are... <laughs> Owners of apartments in the Finger Wharf development, uh. the aptly named Finger Wharf development down there in Woolloomooloo. And you can walk to the art gallery, which is where I went. Right, of course. But not for the reasons that you might think. To see art? Yes, I didn't go mm-hmm. for that reason. Of course. So you gave the gallery the finger. As I was there, I thought I'd pop in and see some Grace Cossington Smith, some Grace Cowley, some Grace Crowley, I think, some Dorrit Black. Some Margaret Preston's. They've got a lovely selection there on the on the first floor. They had some exhibitions. I, I just didn't want to go. What I wanted to do, hmm. I wanted to use the men's room. <laughs> I wanted to dump a whole lot of stuff that I was carrying. Had a few bags. In the men's room. <laughs> didn't even left them at the at the coat check room. I wanted to sit and read my magazine for a little while on the bench out the front in right. the sun right. while I was waiting for some people for a, a luncheon date. You were a living, right. a walking, talking Jeffrey Smart painting, really, was, weren't it, you? I, just well, just I a did. speck against I, this. I did walk beside the Carl Expressway. Everyone knows Jeffrey Smart's painting, the Carl Expressway, used for the UQP mm. published novel, uh, David book, of, book of short stories. No, Fat oh. Man in History, Peter Carey. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So... If you're ever in Sydney 
and you need to dump your stuff, you need to use a facility to <laughs> dump your stuff, then why not visit the New South Wales Art Gallery? But I tell you something, I did go somewhere I, and actually went in and I got to go to a section that I've not been to before. This is the Sydney Maritime Museum. Right. Okay. Which is free. Is this in Darling Harbour? Darling Harbour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I walked past it you, a week or so ago. You can walk across the Piermont Bridge, which mm. still – while not admitting any maritime traffic, will swing open just to show you that it can. Really? As it did when I was attempting to... As you were halfway across. Halfway, I was halfway across. <laughs> and I did stopped. you end up in the drink? I did not. I stopped. They had a helpful fella there warning people to stop walking and it swung open and then it swung back and how, it did a couple more times. How fortunate for you that for mm. once mm. you listened to somebody. I know. It, it was... <laughs> I did have a when I feel like I'm in a foreign country when I'm in <laughs> Sydney. I do feel unfamiliar with the place that 28 years ago I think was still my home. We spoke last week about Maiden, not yes. last week, a couple Recently, of weeks back. Yeah, we yeah. spoke about Maiden, uh, the documentary, documentary yeah. about uh, a, a group of women who were in the, in the Whitbread yacht race. And I mentioned to you, uh, Australian yachtswoman Kate Cotty, who mm-hmm. I think in '88 or so solo around the world. They have her boat there. Mm. They have a boat in the main shed at the Maritime Museum that you can go and have a look at. And it's very small, of course. It's about 33 feet, I think. Mm -hmm. And there was an explainer there. You know, you often get these volunteer explainers at museums. All he was interested in telling us about her voyage, which was pretty momentous. Yeah, of course. Solo yachtswoman. Was all the domestical things that she had to do. She's on her own. She had to do her own washing. She had to open her own tins. She ate mainly out of tins. She had to do all her own cooking as well. I was, <laughs> my God, she sailed around the world. And you're telling us about her ablutions, her laundry, her cooking. Well, I, okay. Her, I, I, and, and at the stove, he, 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 he demonstrated how she could stand at the stove and do her cooking with aided by a strap which would keep her upright should any rough and tumble, which, of course, you would expect on the seven seas, occur. Nothing about her skills as a yachtswoman or about what um, – which I, I find particularly interesting is an array of ropes that control everything that run along the top of the cabin. So you can – I'd have to be in the one – you can control the whole boat by, appear by standing still. And then there's this very – It's kind of like reverse puppetry. Yes. There's a very interesting blade that comes down on a, a swivel that hooks into the, the steering wheel – so that it can self-steer following following the wind. And things like that I think are interesting. Not that she had to yeah, do okay, her own okay. cooking. I, yes. I kind of – I'm guessing that yes. you're going, oh, reducing this amazing feat to this like stereotypical – No, 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 no. The no, woman's no, no. domestic duties I mean, kind of thing. Think that if, if you will. Well, if, you know. Think that if you will. Subtext. I think that's – Go right I, ahead. Yeah, yeah. I would say that mm-hmm. I'm at least as interested in that yes. as I am in the mechanics of how you sail a boat. Yes. I'm interested in both. Yes. Right? I would, but I would want to know mm-hmm. how do you actually – how do you do your washing when okay. you're at sea for three months on yep. your own or whatever, what, six had, months, however long it is? big tanks of fresh now, water that I'm I don't – I'm not asking you to that I don't, <laughs> Yes, you are. That I don't think she used. She used for drinking. In days of yore, sailors would wash their clothes in salt water. Right. Because fresh okay, water nice being crusty. So precious. Very crusty. Mm. Something I will tell you because you've shown that you want to know is that. <laughs> oh dear God! Why did I say that? 
there are these things called gimbals, which yeah. acts as a, uh, a way of keeping things flat and upright. Gimbal is basically a ball hinge, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And and you have various trays and things on that, so that regardless of the tossing and turning, your saucepans and your teapots and so on could yeah, remain yeah. in their stable position, yeah. enabling you to cook or eat. Or I, I bet you probably did some cleaning too while she was at it. A bit of ironing, ironing, bit of ironing. ironing the curtains. The curtains were very crisp. St- starching the collars. Yeah. Don't need to do that. You just dip them in the ocean water. You don't need to the collars. Uh, but it was, it was I'm quite surprised. I didn't expect to – wasn't even thinking about that. The thing that I really liked, though, was they have in Shed 7, which is as far away as you can get from the main museum, all these beautiful handcrafted timber boats of – One's not much bigger. You're talking about miniatures. Yeah, no, 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 no. Real, real life sailing boats. Right, right from right. from maybe the last sort of early part of the 20th century to yeah. now, that were owned by various sailing clubs. And there was a, in, in there was a, I won't say craze, but sailing was very popular and made affordable by various um, means of department stores offering laybys on rigging and right. sails and right. things like that. And also the boats themselves being manufactured in a way to be very simple that a child could could sail them because they were... So really we're talking like tiny little laser Yeah, yeah, yeah. Boats, yeah. Boats, All made yeah. out of timber. Yeah. And they are the most beautiful things to look at and if you're surreptitious, touch. I think you can you can still sail on these things down on Albert Park Lake, I mm. think. Oh, um, so they have some down there, do yeah, they? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think... Don't know if they're free. I think probably not free, but no. I think you can just rock up and go. Yeah. I mean, the yachting clubs all around the bay, yes. uh, where which you'd be familiar with. I've never done it, but I, I know people have. You yeah. can basically just go up and say, "I, I want to sail." I want to have a try, and they, they yeah. what they want. And members, you basically so. you go on and you become crew. Mm. You know, you go mm. out and sail with somebody, and they that have little nice. races midweek, and you know. I've never done that. I should do that. I should do that because. I've reached the limit of my knowledge of the sea without actually going on it. Yeah, right. right. At I, some point, at some point, you've got to bite the bullet. I've got. I'm not afraid. I just. It's just hard to fit in. And that's where we differ. Yes, I'm terrified. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, there's a lot to see that's free. But if you want to pay, you can go aboard submarines and and decommissioned uh, cruisers and battleships and things. You could really make a day of just being at the Maritime Museum. I f- I found that. In the past, I might have mentioned you. After four hours, my companions become listless and and irritable and and tired for some reason. Uh, I'm just really getting going after mm. four hours in a maritime museum. You go to Greenwich, you're going to need four days easy to go through everything that they've got in in the maritime museum. In, in everybody Greenwich. has their tolerance for museums, right? Yes. Um, so except me. years ago, um, when my wife was, we, we hadn't been together or for all that long. She was still uh, doing guidebooks for Lonely Planet. Right, okay. and, we're, and we're in France. We're in mm. Nice. Nice. No Nice. And <laughs> we went to the we went to the Matisse Museum, mm-hmm. an amazing, amazing collection, uh, full of works by Matisse. Funnily enough, and <laughs> we've been there for about I don't know, maybe half an hour, yep. may, maybe less, maybe twenty minutes. And I don't really, I don't actually read French, but I, I have a, a fair old crack <laughs> doing this. Actually, read French. <laughs> I, I feel it mainly. I mainly feel French. <laughs> no, 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 no. We something like that. I sense it. I imbibe, imbibe, I imbibe the Frenchiness of the mm. the little uh, explanatory and th- that's parks. How, that's how they like it over there too. That's <laughs> that's how they like it. It's very hard to be disdainful of foreigners if they don't come in with that kind of general ignorance. Anyway, I'm helping. I'm helping the French, and so. I'm standing in front of these plaques and I'm trying to make sense of, you know, yellow sunflowers with, you know, 
blue umbrella or whatever it is on the wall and yeah. I'm, I'm doing my trans because very helpfully they don't actually <laughs> translate into English so I'm having a go at this so French and uh, unlike our galleries where everything is in French as well and as French English and, and, and German and Chinese and, and Japanese yeah. actually it probably is in it's, some foreign it's language it's text fest anyway so we're there and I'm taking my time, basically, is where I'm going, as I am with this anecdote. And What a surprise. <laughs> For the first time, instead of being succinct to the point, you've taken us around the houses, through the bushes, over the hedges. It's not the destination, Andrew, it's the journey. And what a journey. And what a journey, what a journey, what a journey this has been. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the last episode of The Clappers. My name's Andrew Young. Anyway, my, my wife suddenly appears at my shoulder and says, can we go now? And I say, we've only just got here. She says, I I don't have time to hang around in museums. I've got I've got pensions to go to and uh, crappy cafes opposite railway stations. And of course, uh, she of didn't course. actually put it in those terms, but no, that's, that's that's really. But I, I used to read those Lenny Platt books, yeah. and, that's, and I and I would see uh, this is just a crappy railway cafe. And, don't bother going. And there. can I just say that so much of the work of doing an update on one of those books is going to really crappy places and mm. basically checking that they're still open yep. and the details are still accurate and then you move on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so on our first day on the job together, we decided not to be on the job together for the sake of our relationship. No, that's a good Best idea. Best decision. Best that's, decision That's a ever. good idea because I, I would want to, I want to be in the museum. I don't Absolutely. want to leave the museum until I've seen every single I want single to teach myself French by spending days in front of plaques in a museum. You, that's how you do it. And like I say, the French like it that way. <laughs> Andrew, I want to uh, flag with you a show on Netflix that I've just, just finished watching that was kind of fun. And one of its great virtues, unlike my story, then mm-hmm. short. It's entertaining. It's short. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> It's entertaining, funny and short. I mean, it's got three things that yep. I was unable to bring to the table there. Um, it's called Living I With Yourself. I Paul Rudd, you're keen. And <laughs> it's funny every time. I can't believe every time I say something about mustard and you say you're keen, it's still funny. I can't believe it. It's funny in two ways. First way is that there is a phrase in the English language, if somebody's keen, they're keen as mustard. Mm. But then the other funny way mm. is that there's a brand of mustard called mm. Keens. I'm thinking it's funny on two levels. I'm thinking it's actually only funny on one level, and the oh. reason the saying exists is because of the brand. Oh, I don't know. I, ah. I, I think it's that ah, you're, little, you're putting little etymological before, research could be in order here. The horse there, my friend. <laughs> you notice that I also have a mustard coloured spoffle. Let's move right on. Go with my trousers. <laughs> so, anyway. Yeah. Living short, with yourself. Funny. Paul Rudd. Yep. Right. Plays Miles mm-hmm. and he plays Miles. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a guy. He's, he works as an advertising copywriter effectively, a branding agency. He's in a, in a marriage with this lovely woman played by, uh, uh, oh, how do you pronounce it? Aileen B or Asling B? Uh, I'm going to say Aileen B because I suspect it's Gaelic for Aileen. Um, okay. Irish actress and uh, she's called Kate in this. Uh, they're trying to have a kid but they've kind of lost the mojo, I guess. Mm-hmm. It's been dragging on for a long time. Yep. There's talk about going to a fertility clinic. He keeps not turning up for his appointments because uh-huh. he doesn't want to deal with the fact that he might not have the goods. Ah, this uh, ties us in with the one of the last things we spoke yeah. about. And um, and basically, he's in this kind of rut. Yeah, he's in a rud rut. And he, uh, you know, he's supposed to do a brand presentation at work, and he he goes in, stands up, and he says, "I got nothing." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's kind of like that's where he's at it in his life. Yeah. And then he gets talking the to this. Then he gets talking to this colleague, who's suddenly 
all a sparkle. And it turns out he's been he's been to this secret spa and had this treatment. Speed. <laughs> Even better. And he woke up the next morning feeling much better than after speed. And he is uh, he's a new man. Mm-hmm. Turns out he's literally a new man. Ah, he's, he's seconds. John Frankenheimer. Cloning. Yeah. Hand over 50,000 bucks. Yep. And there's a new you. Great. Right? Except you don't realise it's a new you. Mm-hmm. You just go, I feel fantastic. Yep, feel I don't great. know how this has worked, but I feel yep. fantastic. Yep. Except that it goes horribly wrong. I and can see that it old might. Miles, <laughs> and it's the first shot, it's the first shot of the series, so I'm not really giving okay, away yep, too much. This yep. is I don't know if you can have a spoiler when it's describing the first scene. He wakes up in a forest, in a grave, wrapped in glad wrap or cling wrap, and he peels his way out of it, out of the ground, kind of looks like sort of vaguely zombie-ish and then rips it open. It's a beautiful kind of visual representation of the idea of rebirthing. And uh, and he's like (gasps) gasping and he's basically naked except for a a nappy, a diaper as as they call them, and he... Tries to find his way back to his life, yep, and then finds that there's another him there, a better version, yeah, fitter, a younger, better stronger. version, a, a version who's better at his job, mm-hmm. better at his marriage, <laughs> oh. better at everything. Oh, this is great! It's a this really, great. No, really, good really good setup because there's a John Frankenheimer directed movie called Seconds, written by Rod Serling, right? If as in Twilight know, Zone, Rod Serling was the creator of the Twilight Zone, mm. the one that the very you know, the one that started in the fifties in black and white. It has a similar premise. Right. People become rejuvenated. Old people become rejuvenated and made young. And it does go horrible. And it's suspenseful and exciting. It has Rock Hudson in it. And it's the best thing that Rock Hudson did. And it's it's gripping. And I, I, I could almost say that I own my own copy of it, except I... I, I you lent it to someone. Uh, no, I went... The, the shop was closing down. They were selling all their DVDs at ridiculously low prices and I went to buy it and, and only the cover couldn't find the disc. Oh no. Only the cover. And I don't But you took it anyway. <laughs> I, think I, did. I don't think it's a particularly easy film to track down. Right. I'm not sure. Uh, it's been a long, 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 long time since I've seen it. But it's it's got Martin Balsam in it as well. It's it's very good. And right. it's on this same theme. Made in the mid sixties, I think. Okay. Anyway, it's worth yes, checking out. I will check this out. This it sounds plays great. You've brought something great to oh, the thank podcast. You, thank you. It plays Somewhere between drama and comedy. Yep. It's not hilariously funny. Yep. Um, it reminds me a little bit tonally of Kidding, the uh, the show that's oh, on yeah, stand yeah, with uh, yeah. Jim Carrey, um, so co-created by com- Michelle Gondry. Comrama. A comrama. Uh, I think people generally call it a dramedy, not a comrama. Not but a if you want to go comrama. Comrama. I'll, so I'll he, support. It, it just trips Set something up on the tongue, little petition it? on change.org. <laughs> I'm, I'm there. I've never I'm done one up. of those. That's, thanks for saying that. That's mm. a good inspiration. I, I need to get on to change.org make some changes. Speaking of changes, yep. there's a big change coming or not. I'm talking about Netflix releasing films into cinemas a couple of weeks before they drop on the service. Right? Mm. This is kind of a weird thing that's that's just been happening really the first most of us became aware of it was with Roma last year. Yeah. Okay. Uh, there was award-winning. Uh, well, yes, but not Best Picture. And there was a lot of – I mean, you, there's a lot of reasons why Roma might not have won Best Picture, but one of the theories is that it didn't win Best Picture because it's a Netflix film, not a studio release, and because of the release strategy, the way it went out, limited release in limited cinemas. Uh, and what's really at stake in this, and we're seeing it now 
Netflix is about to release the Irishman, the Irishman, the Martin Scorsese film. Oh, yeah. um, in fact, by the time this goes to air, it will probably be in cinemas. Uh, it has just released David Michaud's film The King. That had a short theatrical run, and that's now on the service. Well worth checking out with mm-hmm. Joel Edgerton and Timothy Chalamet. It's basically uh, Shakespeare's uh, King Henry plays, um, but without any Shakespeare in it. It's basically. Updating Shakespeare by stripping Shakespeare out. It's a so very interesting all approach. all the language out of yeah, – that's yeah. really interesting. It is a very that's, bold that's, approach. That's the part of Shakespeare that you really don't want to hear, isn't it, all that so, language? Well, well, the St. Christmas Day speech? Yes. Nothing like it. Nothing like it. Possibly the most famous speech in mm. all of English mm-hmm. theatre, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Not there. Not there yeah. at all. Bold. Anyway, so that, that's – that's going to be a great – <laughs> really good. That's check it out. Yeah. Tell you what, check Let's it out. We'll talk about Rocky it. without the boxing. Oh, while good we're idea. At it. Like, good just, idea. Just have him at home doing the dishes and being nice just to eggs. his He's wife. Just swallowing raw eggs. Yeah. That's all it is. Two hours of raw yeah. eggs. Not a great example. And Rocky, jogging, maybe. Course, but, oh, okay. Okay. Anyway, but, yes. check out the king. We'll talk about it later. Okay. But yeah. but no, the, we'll check it out. Um, okay. So the Irishman, Marriage Story, Noah Baumbach's next film, and Two Popes, which is from Fernando Marais, who made City of God and The Constant Gardener. So all of these are films that are being talked about as Oscar contenders, like yes. they're, they're serious pieces serious of work. Movies, yeah. Serious movies, serious pieces. The Scorsese film is like had a, a, a budget of US $160 million. So is it's not like – that's a lot of money. That's a lot, that's a lot, lot of money, money for a movie that it's not a, that's not a blockbuster. Yeah, right? okay. It's three and a half hours long. It's got De Niro, Pacino, Harvey Keitel, Joe Pesci. Pretty much anybody who's ever been in a Martin Scorsese movie is in this movie. Jodie Foster. Uh, no. Okay. All right. Okay. Stop now. Stop now. Civil Shepherd. All right. Not not pretty much Daniel everybody. Lewis, but quite a few. Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio is definitely. Oh, hang on. Right? Hang on. See this? That's my sale. You know. You notice how the wind has been taken out of it. All right. Thank you very much. I'm not well, an expert on 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 Scorsese's stuff, but I think I've seen a lot of his films. Anyway, at the same time, uh, there's there's Amazon is uh, mm-hmm. releasing films shortly before they uh, you know shortly before they. Prop, uh, drop into the, the service. Yep. Um, and Stan is going to do the same in January okay. with the true true history of the Kelly Gang, uh, Justin Kozel's film Carey. from the Peter Carey book. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, you okay. know, these are big deals. Yes. Like, yep. this is a very significant bunch of films. Yep. They're going into cinemas. These are not telly movies. A couple of weeks. Uh, that's right. They're not telly movies. They're going to cinemas a couple of weeks yep. before they drop on the service, right? So this is what's known in the business as the window, right? It's a basically a two-week window. Mm-hmm. The films can keep playing in cinemas after they've dropped if they want. Uh, Roma played for something like 18 weeks in some cinemas. Okay. But only because it was in so few cinemas did it have that kind of mm-hmm. life. Now – this is a, a major kerfuffle in the business, and not just here but in America as well. Um, the re- cinemas in America are, re- are refusing to book The Irishman because of this business around the window. Traditionally what happens in this country is that there's a 90-day window. That's, that's, when, that's the period in which mm-hmm. it can play in cinemas but nowhere else. Yep. Right? That's where the, sort of the impetus to, for people to go and see it, like the people who care about seeing it early in a run – will yeah. go in that, that that window and cinemas will do most of their business or the first release cinemas will do most of their business in the first probably three to four weeks. Mm-hmm. It might dribble out after that if it's got any life in it. Um, in reality, most of them do most of their business in the first two weeks. Yep. But it's important not just in terms of making the money from ticket sales mm-hmm. but in giving people the impetus to go and see it. Okay. Right? Yep. If they know it's going to be available at home in two weeks' time, they might then there's a real risk yeah. – that they simply won't go. So what's at stake at this moment in time 
for for many people in the cinema business here, they they basically see this as a an existential crisis, right? Okay. If all of the majors were suddenly to say we're going to uh, we're going to we're going to start booking Netflix films or Amazon films or Stan films with a two week window, then the fear is that the distributors will say, well, if you're happy to take those on two weeks, then you can take everything on two mm. weeks. So the the sort of the the fundamental uh, fundamental underpinnings of the model that drives cinemas as a business suddenly is at risk of collapse. So it's a really interesting moment and it's one that vacation of yeah. Australian cinema. It's it's you know it's it's a it's a difficult thing because I mean uh, at some level I kind of think great if I you know if I want to see it on the big screen I can see it on the big screen and if I'm in two minds I'll just you know, I can see it at home. You know, yeah. and I think a lot of a lot of people all the time and have people walking backwards and forwards in front of you. And are you talking about the cinema at home? Which, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, I, I think something like this is almost an inevitability. With at least in Australia, mm. the amount of people whose lives seem to only consist of watching streaming services. Yeah, and this is uh, it's almost like a. <coughs> a, a desperate way to get them out of the house again. Like these are big films made, you know, that, that will presumably look all the better for being seen on a cinema screen. So it might actually work the reverse and get people to go into a cinema who would not normally be going to the cinema. Yeah. It might, it might not. Well, we're, we're, we're a lazy nation and so we, we, we love the sofa, we love our televisions and they get smarter and smarter, which means we have to do less and less ourselves. Yeah. So there's every, every Well, chance. the screens get bigger and bigger and the yeah. s- sound systems become, you know, more comprehensive and, yep. and integrated. I mean, you know, the yes. sort of the quality of what you can get at home is pretty good. Yeah, it these is. Days. I agree. And the, the challenges in getting people to leave home, yep. to leave the ease of consuming at home and one of the drivers to getting them is like you can see it now instead of in three months yeah, time exactly but once that disappears yeah then you know you do have to you do have to query mm. how viable cinemas become or remain uh, yeah. in that scenario so it's yeah like i say it's an interesting moment and it is one that i think a lot of people have probably uh only only begun to register that this is happening because you know, not everybody is alert to the fact that the Irishman is going to crop up for two weeks, and then and then it's going to be. Oh on. well, I'm, look, I don't. I'm, I reckon I probably know less about what's going on in the world of cinema than the average person. Now, but I, but I think the average person is probably not that alert to it either. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's certainly so because I, I didn't know if you if your experience of the cinema is mostly around the majors then you don't know these films are out there, yeah, right? Because yeah. they're only in a handful of independents. Yeah. And those independents are getting a lot of pushback yeah. because, you know, th- a lot of people think you, you're you playing with fire here. You don't yeah. know what's at stake here. Yeah. Or if you do, you're not showing due care. Mm-hmm. Those independents are, I think, you know, f- from their perspective, it's like, well, this it's heading this way. Mm. Why wouldn't you get in there and get be involved in, in the conversation, can. as uh, one of them put it to me? Um, There's no conversation. I hate oh, that is, phrase, well, get involved uh, in the conversation. Get involved in taking some money from people and letting them see a film. Or giving it's people something that they want at a time when they want it and, and whatever. We don't want conversation. We want people <laughs> to sit down and shut up and watch the film. That's what we yeah, want. We don't want conversation while the film is on. That's not certainly the case. No, that's that is certainly the case. Uh, having having on. seen yes. both The King and The Irishman on the big screen, what I would say is The King is absolutely worth seeing on the big screen. Yeah. The Irishman, I'm not so sure. Okay. When did you see The King on the big screen? 
I, I got incredibly lucky. I was uh, I missed the screening, critic screening here and uh, in Melbourne, that is. Yep. And I happened to be in Sydney and I emailed the publicist and said, oh, damn, I missed it. Is there another screening? Okay. And I said, oh, there's one tonight in Sydney, but, but, but you know, oh, but. Man. And I'm like, get some of these I actually happen to be here. Because I, I want to see something like that on the big screen mm. and then hate it and then be able to come here and talk mm. about it and mm. say they well, ruined you, it. You may recall that I have actually invited you, have, you to things you have, and I'll, you've I'll, just – what have I done? You've said, no, nah, I'll hate that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going. Yeah, that, that might be true. Uh, it may may well be that the majority of my responses have been along Thereby that cutting line. out the middleman of the watching the film. Yeah, it's so yeah. easy. It's oh. so easy to not watch a film. There is a film coming up that I won't mention because it's not out for another couple of weeks, but when it's out I'm going to see it as quickly as I can within at least two days of it coming out because I'm so excited about this film. I've been had no idea that anybody would make this film. Uh, and I know I'm what film it is. Very excited about I'm, it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. I'm gonna <coughs> stumping my money down on Ford versus Ferrari. You are correct. <laughs> we'll talk about it when I've seen it. There is a documentary on Carol Shelby, uh, all about this great battle, and it's a wonderful documentary. And there's a book as well. This came out, I reckon, around 2000, early 2000s. The documentary, yeah, and. It is tremendously exciting, so exciting that I'm, I just can barely even sit still. I'm All right, so I'm going to say save the rest of it yeah, I'm until you've yeah, seen it yeah. and we can we I wasn't can even going to say what it's called. Ah. It's going to keep it a mystery. Perspicacity. Perspicacity. Yeah, that's yeah. what you need yeah. in this game, my friend. You want to play the long game with me, you need the perspicacity and the depth. The main reason I went to Sydney was to go to a wedding Oh dear. I've been to many weddings, but I've never been to a wedding like this. And I would say most of our listeners in Australia have never been to a wedding like this because up until very recently, a wedding like this was illegal. Between, between a farmer and a cow. Between a man and a man, this <gasps> wedding was. Right. Two grooms, no wedding. Yeah, uh-huh. <coughs> an actual wedding. An actual, so I went to I went to wedding. a wedding that light a wedding light. Yeah, <laughs> a wedding et. A I netting. went to a wedding et. You went to a netting. That <laughs> was between two men yeah. uh, many years ago. But you know, technically, it was a commitment ceremony, mm. not a wedding. They had a celebrant. They had a ceremony. They did all the things that you would do. But same. it had it was no, not, legal no, status. no legal yeah. status, which this relationship now does mm. as husband and husband. And it was great. It was mainly men, but but uh, no children, which is one thing that's unusual because most weddings are, are full of children. And it it was a very brisk, well run event, which I love. The speeches were non existent, and the both grooms made a very short acknowledgement. Thank you to everybody who came. The usual type of thing. Boom. That was it. The longest part was probably the five steps that one of the groom's brothers had to take to hand over the rings. Mm. Like it was wonderful. And I, I overuse that word a lot. One other thing I forgot I wanted mm. to talk about. Mm. Oh, good. Okay. Well, Andrew, I went to a gig. Uh, oh. No, no, I'm glad. I'm glad. I've been to gigs. Yeah. I don't tell you about most of them because. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I know. But I'm glad. No, yeah. I'm glad you did. So the Chemical Brothers. Ah. Oh. Oh. Does that count? Of course it does. Of course yeah. it does. It's now, I know you, you've got me pegged to somebody who only goes to see Heritage Acts, right? Yeah. 
Well, the Chemical Brothers are a heritage act. <laughs> that's, what what gonna, about? that's what I was going to ask. I was going to ask. Are they a heritage act? They are a heritage act. <laughs> <laughs> when did I first start listening to them? In, in the mid-90s probably. So uh, Only if you were a very early ado- uh, adopter, which you might have been. I mean, the first album was, I think, 94. So, yeah, that's possible. Mm, yeah. About 90, yeah. 95 is when I first started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dig Your Own Hole was probably the one that really broke them in 97. But, yeah, anyway, you know, they're nine albums in. Yep. Unbelievably. Uh, Told they're drummers. They started out as drummers. Did they? Michael Brothers, yes. Right, okay. Um, Well, they seem to have progressed quite nicely. Thank you very much. Did they have any drums on stage or weren't they allowed? (laughs) They weren't allowed. No No, drums. No No drums inside. So, basically, I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen them live. I I, I saw them... I think early 2000s at the Metro, I think yep. it was, I saw them. And uh, they were great. Yep. And this is this was at Melbourne Arena. Not the most fabulous venue, I'd have to say. Kind of. What's Melbourne bit, Arena? It, well, it used to be called Hisense. It was formerly oh, okay, Hisense, right, yeah. yeah. So it's, I think, full capacity. It's basically for tennis. Well, it's a multi-function venue, but, yeah. you know, they use it for tennis polis. a lot. A multi-function policy, that's right, an MFP. Whatever happened to that term, hey? What a great anyway, idea. Yeah, it was a great idea. Well, let's have another one. <laughs> Let's build cities where lots of different things happen. Whoa, that's the future. Anyway. But in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. So the Chemical Brothers, who yeah. were playing effectively in the middle of nowhere in this yeah. stadium, this shed, I thought the sound was a bit meh, mm. so-so. But, my God, the visuals were incredible. This mm. was this was the best-looking show I've ever seen, I think. It was really incredible. Nice. So much is uh, about the video work, the screen work behind them. Oh, okay, right. I mean, yep, yep. you know. Tom and Ed basically stand at their consoles and twiddle dials, yeah. right? That's yeah. that's the show. They are not the focal point. They can't be the focal point because of the nature of what they do. It's not interesting although, to watch. Or, although, you know, Ed does get out there and sort of G the crowd up a little bit, yeah. uh, which makes you wonder how much of this is is actually necessary, this yeah. knob twiddling, well, but anyway. There are a lot of DJs uh, who are earning a v- huge amount of money doing pretend DJing. Yeah, yeah. Yes, indeed. Um Anyway, so yeah. the visuals are incredible, mm-hmm. absolutely amazing, and uh, they are, they're done by a couple of uh, two guys in the UK, Marcus Lyle and Adam Smith, I think they're called, yeah. um, and they've been working with them for twenty five years. Okay, uh, and they have got it down to a fine art. This show had like it, bits of bits of film clips, but mostly it was specially curated for the show. Um, a lot of sort of dancers in like the wackiest costumes, absolutely bizarre costumes. Uh, there was a, a sequence, and this is from a film clip, the sequence that basically looks like a 1960s Japanese anime uh, robot kind of, you know, Astro Boy kind of thing, but mm-hmm. in real, in, with, uh, you know, live action figures. There were two giant toy robots that <laughs> came out on stage, which was a kind of borderline spinal tap moment. Yeah, but, you know, lasers shooting out of their eyes, these robots pretend walking through the air. Uh, th- there were these giant balloons that popped down and people sort of bouncing them around for, for, mm. for ages. And yeah, it was just like it was visually so much fun. It was great. Musically, it had great moments and it had mm. moments that I thought were a little bit flat. Okay. But... Uh, and they didn't play Out of Control, which is mm-hmm. probably my favourite Chemical Brothers track. But Yeah, it's a shame mm. when you're looking forward to a song. Um, but they played lots of other stuff that was great. They did play Block Rock and Beats, which they had to play. Yeah. It was the final song in the main set. Yeah. The place went off, as the kids say. Well, yeah, speaking of the kids, was it a heritage-type age group? Yeah, it was well? 
Fair spread. There were there were I would say there were people in their early twenties, mm-hmm. certainly. Um and there were certainly people quite a bit older. In their sixties. Uh probably fifties, I'd say late forties okay. to right. early fifties, I'd be th- I'd be thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting to see you know, it's kinda like they still play festivals. They still yep. play, you know, dance festivals and, yep. and, and sort of I guess indie festivals, mm-hmm. and uh, they would have a young audience un- unquestionably. But yeah, they, but the you know, sure. they also have that audience that first saw them. Yeah, twenty five yep. years ago, and uh, you know, yeah, it's 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 kind of nice seeing sure. a spread of age groups. It's, it's, I reckon it's nice to um, be able to get out. You've been going to more concerts than me. I'm glad to hear. I'm, it. Going, to, I'm going to another one this weekend. Oh, yeah. I'm going to two more this weekend actually. Okay. Really, both heritage. I'm yeah. going to say without yeah. question. Okay. Boom boom. Don't tell us now. Let's yeah, talk about We'll talk time. about them after, yep. after I've seen them. Okay. Thank you for listening to The Clappers. We encourage you to go to the Facebook page. Oh, I'm going to put a little clip up of um, old Frankenheim in a second so you can see what I mean because it's exciting. And you can like us. You can listen to us on any way that you get your podcasts. And please spread the love. Tell people that you like The Clappers. 